Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Hey guys, this is Zach from the Dream Team at Renovation Church. Before you listen in to another inspiring message from Pastor Kyle, I have a quick announcement. Starting in 2021, we will be releasing weekly regroup podcast episodes where we'll dive deeper into each week's sermon and occasionally into other topics in the Bible. You'll be able to listen in right here on the Renovate the City podcast. We hope you'll tune in. Now, enjoy the message, really this time. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad to have you with us today. It's an honor to be able to worship alongside of you. Also wanna welcome those of you who are joining us for Christmas Eve at home. We're so grateful that you could be a part of the worship that we are having here this evening as well. If you're here today because a family member or a friend invited you, and you normally don't go to church, if church isn't really your thing, um, I firmly believe that God has you here for a reason. I believe that the God of the universe orchestrated your life in such a way that you could be sitting here in this room today or watching online because today you are going to hear about the greatest gift that the world has ever received and that's the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. On Sunday mornings, we've been working through a message series called The Gift and what we've been doing in that series is we have been looking at the three gifts that were brought to Jesus by the wise men who were astrologers and astrologers astronomers, and we've been learning about the significance that they had back then and what those gifts still mean to us here today. And so we've talked about the three gifts that they brought. We've talked about the significance of the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. But today, uh, I want to talk to you about the other gift they brought him. The wise men brought a fourth gift that was actually the most significant one of them all. Because the fourth gift that they brought was of far greater value and far greater, um, more valuable than gold or frankincense or myrrh. The best gift that they brought was the gift of their worship. If we read about it in Matthew chapter 2, verses nine, or starting in verse 11. It says, They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave him gold because they believed that he was born to be a king. They gave him frankincense because they believed that he was born to be a priest. And they gave him myrrh because they believed that he was born to be a sacrifice. But they also brought him their worship because they believed that he was born to be a savior. I want you to think about and consider for just a moment what these men went through to come and worship Jesus. They had traveled up to a thousand miles away. They were from east of Jerusalem in an area near Babylon or Persia. And they had to travel a thousand miles to get to where Jesus was. A journey in that time of that length would have taken over a year. So they traveled a thousand miles over a year through dangerous territory, leaving their families, leaving their friends, leaving their homes, leaving everything 
everything behind just to come and have this moment in time where they could worship Jesus. In fact, they traveled a year to get there, but then after they worshiped, they had to go back home and travel another year. So they spent two years of their lives on this one round trip journey to go and worship the newborn king. Today, however, we have a hard time getting up at eight just so we can get to church at nine because it's just a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's hard to get the kids ready. The house is a mess. You stayed up late watching TV. You're tired from the week. You like church, but you really just need some me time. See, here's the thing about these men and what they went through. They sacrificed two years of their life to come and worship Jesus, and we have a hard time sacrificing one hour a week. And, and actually less, actually, because statistically, the average Christian only goes to church twice a month. Merry Christmas. Aren't you glad you came to Renovation Church this weekend? It's, it can only get better from here, trust me. So let's look at this. What is the difference between those men and what they did back then and us today? What did they know that we don't know? Why were they willing to make that kind of sacrifice and we aren't? What has changed over the past 2,000 years about our approach to who Jesus really is? And what I really think it comes down to is this. Until you understand who Jesus really is, you'll never understand what Jesus is really worth. Let's be real in here tonight for just a minute. You can be fake with your family members you don't like later, but let's be real in here tonight. For some of you, Jesus is quite honestly only worth a couple days a year going to church and nothing more. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. You believe who he is. You believe what he did, but he's just not that important to you, at least not at this time in your life. You want to be more committed, but you're just not really there right now. For some of you, Jesus is kind of like your cosmic slot machine. And whenever you're in trouble, whenever you have a need, you go up to it and you pull it, you kind of hope everything lines up and that God bails you out and gets you out of whatever trouble it is you're in. And when you do that, and when you finally go to him and you're praying because you're in trouble, you're making all kinds of deals. You're like, okay, God, if you do this for me, if you come through, then I will go to church every single Sunday. I'll spend my life serving you. I will, I will, I will, I'll stop cussing when I watch football and I'm just going to be sold out for you entirely. And then when he does what you ask him to do, you forget all about those commitments that you made. Or when he doesn't do for you what you asked for him to do, now you realize, well, God never comes through for me and you're ready to give up on him. For some of you though, Jesus is just your just in case plan. Just in case the whole heaven and hell thing is actually real. But until you understand who Jesus really is, you will never really understand what he's worth. And he is worth your entire life. He is worth your worship. And when we really understand that, when we can grasp who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it will radically begin to change the way that we worship. It'll change, it'll revolutionize the way that we worship. See, the wise men, when they came, they didn't just travel two years round trip to give Jesus a bunch of stuff, although the stuff is nice. They traveled for two years, gave two years of their lives so they could come because they were desperate to worship him. Now, I want you to notice something about the way that they worshiped. 
Let's go back and look at Matthew chapter two, starting in verse nine. It says, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them all the way to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Another translation says that they were overwhelmed with joy. Another translation says that they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. One commentary that I read said that this kind of joy, that would have meant that they were like deliriously happy. They were above and beyond. They were so extra in the joy that they had for coming to see Jesus. Now, I read through a lot of different translations, and I couldn't find a single one of them that just dumbed it down the level of their excitement. I didn't read one translation that said, when they saw the star, they were pretty happy. When they saw the star, they were like, okay, I guess we should go. Let's get this over with. Let's, let's put in our time and go do what we came here to do. That wasn't their mentality. When they saw the star, they were filled with great, exceedingly great, overwhelming, delirious joy. Because worship wasn't something that they had to do. Worship was something that they got to do. They were excited and ready to worship Jesus. Now, maybe some of you have never been overwhelmed with joy at the thought of worshiping Jesus. I sit in here every Sunday, three services, and every service, I'm just overwhelmed with joy. It's amazing. But maybe you're like, well, I just don't know. I've never done that. That's not really who I am. I'm not really that overwhelmed, exceeding joy, hands raised kind of person, kind of guy. I'll say guy because guys tend to fall into this. But I assure you, you actually have felt that kind of joy before. See, earlier this year before the world died, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Anybody remember that? I saw grown men worship like crazy on that day. I saw some of you guys, you were like, man, you were the best worshipers ever. You were watching that game. You were celebrating. You were raising your hands. You were lifting a shout of praise. You had tears streaming down your face. Why? Because you had this overabundant, exceedingly great, delirious joy. So it's not that you're not capable of worshiping Jesus like that. It's just that your joy is misplaced. Some of your joy is found in the wrong things. Now, true joy isn't determined by what God does for us, but by who we believe God is to us. And when we believe who Jesus is, then we'll understand that worship isn't a duty or a responsibility. It is a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to come into this room tonight with you to worship and celebrate and praise God for the gift of Jesus, that's, this isn't a responsibility. This is a privilege. See, too often we take worship for granted because tonight millions of Christians are gathered worshiping Jesus under the threat of persecution. Meaning in order to gather together and worship, it's gonna cost them something it could potentially cost them everything. Back in the middle of two, the 2000s, in 2006, 
Um, I was able to go, I was with a missions program and I was able to spend five months in Morocco, which is in the north part of Africa. And in Morocco and a lot of those countries, uh, the gospel is illegal. It's illegal for a Moroccan person to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, it's illegal to even have a Bible in the Arabic language. So part of what we did there for five months is we wanted to get Bibles into people's hands. Some of you might have, you know, five or six or seven Bibles on your shelves, but some of these people have never been able to even open up a Bible and actually read it in their own language. So one day we went and we got a car and we disassembled all the interior and we found, got a bunch of Bibles and we stuffed them in there and hid them in that car and we put the car back together and we started driving across the border. Now, if border control stops you, then they catch you with all these Bibles. Uh, For me, I could have gone to jail or been deported. But if someone were caught with that Bible that were a Moroccan, it could have been far worse for them meaning there was a cost. And when you stand in another country where the gospel is not allowed and you worship in quiet and whisper so that no one can hear you, now you know what Jesus is worth. When you worship and your worship could potentially cost you your life, you know who Jesus is and what he is worth. Yet these believers tonight and all across the world every day, they choose to worship anyway. Why? What would cause somebody to put their life on the line, to gather with other believers and to read God's word and hear it taught and to pray and to worship? What would cause someone to do that? You only do that when you really know who Jesus is and you know what he's worth. They understand that worship isn't a responsibility, something that they have to do. Worship is a privilege, something that they get to do. And when we realize that, that will change the way that we worship. And maybe instead of just raising your hands for a football game or a sporting event, you'll begin to raise your hands and lift your voices and fall to your knees because you will realize that Jesus alone is still worthy of our worship. Knowing who Jesus is and what he's worth will change the way we worship, but it will also ultimately change the reason that we worship. Our worship tends to be very circumstantial, meaning we'll worship when we're happy, We'll worship when things are going right. We'll worship when everyone is healthy. We'll worship when the kids are listening. We'll worship just when we feel like it and we're in a good mood. But we can really quickly let our worship get derailed based on what's happening around us. Paul wrote uh, the letter to the church in Philippi. It's the book of Philippians. And when he wrote this book to them, uh, he wasn't at you know, the top of the mountain, this great place in life. When he wrote this letter, he was sitting in a jail cell because of his faith, because of what he believed in. He was undergoing persecution. And while he's sitting in this jail cell and he's chained up, he writes this letter to this church to encourage them. Imagine someone in prison writing to encourage someone else. And here's what Paul writes to them because they were going through some trials. And he writes to them in Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, he's got some good authority to tell us when and how we should do this, right? I mean, he's sitting in a prison. Things are not going really well for him. 
But if he, in that circumstance, is saying, rejoice in the Lord always, don't just rejoice when things are going well. Don't just rejoice when things are going your way. Don't just rejoice when you're on top of the mountain, but rejoice when you're in the valley as well. That's what he's saying. But that's hard to do, isn't it? It's really difficult to worship when you are facing trials and suffering or when you're in pain or when you've experienced loss. It's really hard to worship when you haven't seen your child in years because you had a falling out. It's really hard to worship when you don't know how you're gonna afford to keep the lights on when January comes because that bill hasn't been paid. It's really hard to worship when this is the first Christmas that you're experiencing without someone that you love that's been taken away from you this year. It's hard to worship when you just received a cancer diagnosis and your hope is quickly fading. It's hard to worship when you receive a life-changing diagnosis. So what do you do when these things happen? What do you do when the bottom falls out? What do you do when you're suffering or you're in pain? You, you rejoice, you praise, you worship. God's, God's word doesn't change because of your circumstance. He tells us to worship because the things that we go through do not have the power to stop our worship. In fact, the things that we go through should become even more of a fuel for our worship. Because when this world is bad, and it's often bad, it just reminds us how good God is. Because God is good. God has always been good. God is never, ever, ever changing. And even if, even if God never did anything else for you, except for what he already did in giving you Jesus, he would still be good. God does not owe you anything else. He would still be enough. That's why worship isn't about what we can get from God. Worship is about what we get to give to God. Worship is one of the, the greatest things that we can give back to God is just to worship him for who he is and what he's done and what he means. See, the wise men, they gave Jesus these precious gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these things in that time were extremely valuable. But the greatest gift that they gave was the gift of their worship. After a year-long journey, after a year of missing their families, after a year of difficulties and hardships, they finally got to this newborn king and they knelt down and they worshiped. The word that's used for worship here in the original language is the word proskuneo. Proskuneo. And, and that word literally means, it means to, to bow down, to kneel, to fall flat, to show reverence, to adore. It means to worship. Can you imagine? Imagine being these men and you leave home and a year later, a year later, you finally get to this place and the star settles on the house and this is it. This is what you've been waiting for. And you walk in and you see this child. And the moment they walked in, they were overwhelmed with joy and they fell to their knees and they worshiped. Proscuneo, they worshiped, they adored, they bowed 
because they had finally found something that was worth bowing to. The hope of the world. The King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, he was there. And when you encounter Jesus, the only response that you can have is to kneel. Because that's what you do before a king. You kneel. And I can promise you, if you're not ready to bow now, you will bow later. Because the Bible says that at one time, every knee should bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. The entire world will worship him and will kneel before him. That's the kind of worship that he's worthy of. Nothing, nothing can change that. Suffering doesn't have the power to stop our worship. Famine doesn't have the power to stop our worship. Fear doesn't have the power to stop our worship. A never-ending presidential election does not have the power to stop our worship. A global pandemic does not have the power to stop our worship because we're not worshiping him because of what we hope that he'll do. We're worshiping him because of what he's already done. See, the reason that we worship during Christmas is because we remember and we recognize and we celebrate that our Savior came to us. That's what John wrote about in John chapter one. John wrote and he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Verse four says, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father who is full of grace and full of truth. That is the reason why we worship. Because our God loved us not from far away, but he loved us up close. He left his place in heaven, came to this broken world, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life as a man, and he offered himself as a sacrifice. If we never received another gift the rest of our life, that would be enough. If God never did anything else for you beyond what he did for you on the cross, it would be enough. Jesus is all that we need. So if you need a little bit of hope this Christmas season, you've come to the right place because God has you here for a reason. And that reason is to place your hope, your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do, here's what will happen. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want to invite you right now, Christmas Eve of the historic year 2020, I want to invite you to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given. And it's the gift of salvation through Jesus. The good news isn't isn't about what you can do. It's not about how good you can be, how much you can do. 
by grace that we've been saved through faith. And it's not of our works so that no one may boast, but it is the gift of God. That's the gift that you can receive today. That is the gift of all gifts, is receiving Jesus. Would you pray with me this evening? Jesus, today we remember and we celebrate who you are and what you've done. God, thank you for the greatest gift the world could ever receive, which is you. As you continue praying, maybe today you realize that you've let a lot stand in the way of your worship. Maybe you've let the challenges that 2020 has brought, maybe you've let that hinder your worship or even completely stop your worship. Tonight, you can ask God, who is the source of hope, to fill you with joy and with peace. But maybe you're here tonight or you're tuning in tonight and you don't have any hope. In fact, maybe if you were honest, you would say, I feel completely defeated right now. Tonight, you can cry out to Jesus to save you. You can ask him to forgive you of your sins and give you new life. And when you do that, he is faithful to hear you and save you and change you from the inside out. Tonight, you can receive the gift of salvation that's offered through Jesus Christ. And you can have your life, your eternity changed forever. That's the purpose of your life. If you feel like your life is meaningless, worthless, or has no value, then I invite you to come to know Jesus. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter one, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because this was his plan from before the beginning of time, it was to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news of Jesus. Father, today, I pray the Lord that as you stepped into this world, God, I pray that you would step into our hearts. Tonight, I pray, Lord, that someone would recognize their need for you. God, our hope isn't in our money. It's not in our families. It's, it's not in our futures. Our only hope is in you. So Father, Jesus, thank you for being here with us tonight as we celebrate who you are and what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you st- thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.